It's January. The transfer window is open. And we're joining you today on another episode of The Gooners Pod. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, six young men from various backgrounds, a young basketball prodigy with more trophies in the last 20 years than Tottenham Hotspur, an Irish kid with a horrible haircut, a young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet, a child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome young man who learned to play football on the hard streets of Disney World. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan. Hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Ewan. Magic. Aston. Andy, and Miguel, and the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season seven 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 welcome to the gooners pod oh forgot to remove that but it's so beautiful welcome back to the gooners podcast season seven episode 68 next one's gonna be special boys um we false advertise tonight I, we, we thought it was going to be the first time we have all six TGPers on at the same time. And, uh, of course, one jackass couldn't get his act together. And, uh, and, and so we're just going to spend the whole day talking about transferring him out of the club. We're going to pay him to leave. <laughs> and We and call that the Dirty Ozil back where I'm from. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see the uh, the addition by subtraction that 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 this podcast has. We're finally gonna gonna you know break the two dozen viewer at one time mark. It's gonna be amazing. Aston, how you been? All been- alone down in Florida by yourself now. Uh, well, you know, I, I do have a significant other and a cat that loves Arsenal, but I've been great. I mean, how could you not be great? It's been a, it's been a great couple of days. You know what I mean? Uh, I, we're, and we're going to get into all of that, but yeah, can't, couldn't be better. Jared, you have, uh, we were, you were last seen, um, handing out money in, in Florida to, to people who uh, needed it and, and podcast with you uh how you been good to see you back with the with you know with the usual background a little burke camp uh is that going to be replaced with with an odegaard shirt by next week i I don't know we'll see did you send me one if so i'll throw it up there no problem no i think i have an extra willie on one left over that i did i I should ask aston that's his guy so he could probably hook it up (laughs) he thought well tom canton fancies his his guy now but uh we all know you know, sloppy eighths isn't as attractive as sloppy seconds, which is. What do you I, remember? Do you guys remember that one time I talked to Odegaard and we became best friends? Were the cameras on or off, or or were they on and then they went off? Oh, a little bit from column A, a little from column B. Nice. Speaking of of uh, wishing that cameras were off, Mikey, 
Um, Never. How dare you? Have you vomited today? Is your mouth dry? And uh, and and how you know? Have you sought counseling yet for your for your clear issue? Yes, yes, and absolutely not. Is is, is my answer to that? Let's fresh go. Off, fresh off a uh, fresh off a uh, a potathon that raised exactly zero dollars <laughs> for charity. <laughs> Last that pod went time. way longer than I anticipated, to be honest with you. But Not we can't just get the podcast. Morning. You got to watch it. Usually on Monday nights, they decided to go Sunday this time and uh, and had the great Mike McDonald on. Uh, fantastic guest, mostly because he put up with you know with with your stuttering and and uh, and and slurring and no, it was good stuff. But uh, you feeling all right? Feeling all right, probably. Potentially could have, you know, not drank that much. But other than that, I mean. That's what most people uh, potentially could have done. <laughs> I've said that once or twice. It's, it's always the last beer that gets you. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not number one through 16. It's only the last one. It is. It's, it's that, that 17 is just, it's a really unlucky number since, uh, you know, since Alexis gave it up. And, and oh, woke shit. It up. Uh, and the man whose face is so nice that we can't show it. Owen, how are you? How is your internet, more importantly? It's, it's holding up right now. You know, we all know that it's a third world, co- third world country here in Ireland. Um, we're still on the dial-up, but it's holding out strong. Someone's going to need to use the phone. I could throw a spanner in the work soon. Is your lovely wife holding two wires together, like 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 yeah, under she, penalty she, of death if the, if she accidentally she, left? That's her hand. She's she's got one foot in the motherboard and and stand and and the other uh, hand is hanging out the window with a coat hanger, picking up signal. But don't move, bitch. That's it. But uh, no, oh, look. You would it, never it, say. It. You would never truly say that. That's what that's no, what no. we say to her. You don't say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. No, but uh, to be honest with you, boys. I'm fucking awful. I'm terrified. I wasn't mentally prepared for any kind of title charge this season or expectations or weight of expectations on the club. And now I'm just feeling violently fucking ill 12 hours of the day. It's a, it's a nightmare. Are you feeling bad for your toxicness and your negativity that you, uh, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's being a devil's advocate and there's being a dick. And, no, but uh, see, that's the, that's the problem. I'm, I'm not sure at what stage to start being a dick because Obviously, Arsenal aren't really a massively supported club over here. It's all Liverpool, United, some Chelsea, uh, and a few Tottenham fans as well. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm sort of being quite reserved at the minute, but I'm starting to think, is it time to unleash the dick with that sort of... <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Normally, we wait until the 54th minute of the podcast. Yeah. But we're we're going to... that's Dude, again, next episode is is the episode for that one. Yeah, yeah. So, this, is, uh, this is only number sixty-eight. Well, that's not, why my camera's off. Yeah. That's to be fair. That's why my camera's off. This is my safety blanket. And uh, th- there is a niche though available. I mean, it's become available again. You had to avoid it, but but like right now, talking a ton of shit about Arsenal and how poorly prepared we are for for this title challenge. I mean, you could end up looking like a million dollars if uh, sorry, a million pounds sterling. Oh no, the new bell doesn't. Ah, oh, it's all messed up. Um, Send it back. Yeah, I mean, wah, if we you know, wah, if we wah. fail, you if we fail, you're gonna just skyrocket through the ranks, and uh, and and oh, and you you know you need that. <laughs> God, this <laughs> new bell is 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 messed up. I'm returning mm. it. This is new exactly why Andy Andy can't podcast with you with such shitty bells going on. Well, speaking of bells and ends, uh, Owen, I mean uh, Aston, 
Are you driving? Are you? Am I Miss Daisy again today? <laughs> Mike, Mike is like that parent with too many kids, where he just he doesn't know what what fucking kids name what. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he calls me Jared all the time. It's like, what what's going on here? Yeah. Well, we do have a team that's top of the league. We have a team that is flying. We have a fan base that's in love, um, and uh, and we have uh, a chat room that wants to hear us talk about Arsenal, not you know when Owen's going to whip out his dick. <laughs> so, um, well, and maybe one or two people wonder that. So, uh, so where are we? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a really, really, really good weekend. We're going to touch on the other teams because there's no way that we can go through this whole podcast and not just laugh at the hilarity that ensues and, and the gifts that keep giving. If you guys checked out today's results, I mean, wonderful, wonderful stuff. But yeah, yesterday we went to Brighton, probably, and I know this is going to sound cliche. Our sternest challenge of the year so far <laughs> the, the the latest test right because we've gone to brighton so many times and we haven't really won and real quick i just want to uh kind of put some highlights in that game here's the stats uh four to two expected goals 2.9 to 1.5 14 shots to brighton's nine what's interesting though is when you drop down to those possession stats like arsenal we won that game with 32% possession. And it wasn't like we scraped that win. As the XG kind of shows you, we were actually killing them. We were in, incredibly efficient. One, one of the things that I, I actually really enjoy uh, about Arsenal this year, I, and again, the thing that I saw in this game is, we're just better than other teams. Like we have that weird aura about us right now where we don't even need to be in our, like, I, I'm going to be honest, that game, I didn't think we were in like full throttle. I mean, I, I really honestly think that we had another couple of years. We could have gone up in that game, and we just chose not to. Ding the bell. Up the I gears. I can't because this thing is broken. This is, <laughs> we're off to an awful start this year, but uh, I'll, I'll fix it. But, yeah, the, um, just kind of highlighting some things. Like when you compare this is how the game looked as far as the XG was concerned over time. But this was the field tilt. Again, Brighton actually maintained most of the pressure in our final third and um, and had the majority of the field tilt going their uh, field tilt going their way. It was kind of a it was kind of a different kind of arsenal. But like I said, we were just clinical. We were seeing something new, a counterattacking arsenal. Uh, what do you think that the the low possession stats are, are kind of down to, Jared? Because this is your first time back. We haven't really chatted. You're my tactical brain over here. I know you're always analyzing. When you see those stats, what jumped out at you? People are people are like checking Ouch. their YouTube right now to make sure they're watching the right podcast. Because field tilt, really? But dude, I am so lost. Field tilt when shit. I sit on it. That's when it tilts. Are, are you trying to impress Jared right now? Is that what this, all these stats are? <laughs> yeah, he's literally he's not going to do you, man. What literally. the fuck am I going to do with these forty-five minutes worth of dick jokes that I've just written? <laughs> <laughs> if we get through the game fast enough, we can go straight to the dick. Where where is it tilting, Owen? Is what we what percentage is tilting? How down. much how much of Arsenal's dick was tilted in Brighton's half this oh, this a... game? No, no, no. But seriously, Jared, you got it. You, you know, I, we haven't had you on in a while. I really want to get your opinion, and I did actually bring up these stats to impress you. So please give me your give me your thoughts. No, it's it's a great statistical board you put together. I think the, the obvious thing we learned from the previous game was that Brighton's a good team. And Arsenal is just a really, really good team. 
because they're one that if they play that sort of game against a lot of other teams in the league, they're going to have a positive result and come away with something. I think it just shows the gap that we've created from not all, but most of the teams in the league when we're playing even reasonably well. And it was, it was, you know, far from our best performance of the year and we still won it relatively easily. I know there's a couple nervy moments in there. We'll probably talk about the, the offside <laughs> at some point later on that, that worked against Brighton, <laughs> but overall it just highlighted how good we are versus, you know, the level of competition in the premier league this year, which is always high. It's just a salute to how much Arsenal's improved over the last you know year, 18 months. Mm. Speaking of improving over the last year, the last 18 months, uh, Owen, talk to me about this guy. Oh, I thought you were talking about Owen. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he, he's he's been absolutely phenomenal in terms of the development. Um, a lot has been said about you know the contract and how important that is to the team, how influential he is in this side, and I have never doubted that, but I always thought that people were placing a little too much pressure on, on the shoulders of Bakayo Saka. Um, but in fairness, for all that pressure that's been put on him, he's came through it with, uh, you know, flying colours. And something that really stood out to me, not only with uh, Saka in particular, but with uh, Martinelli and, and Martin Udegaard, and even to an extent, Eddie and Kelly, there's, there's this view you get when you're watching a youth prospect play. And it's got moments of panic when they're under pressure, you know, when they don't have much time in the ball, they sort of snatch it and everything looks a little bit scurried. But what I will say is Bakayo Saka's goal within the opening couple of minutes showed that he is no longer a youth prospect and he's a fully-fledged uh, senior player. Now, you know, that he isn't someone that has to be, uh, you know, cuddled or, or, or protected by the fan base, that he really is the main man at the minute. And, and it's just brilliant to see, especially, look, we all know the sort of horror that he had to endure following the Euros. Um penalty miss and to see you know we've seen players like uh like sancho or like like to a certain extent marcus rashford really struggle with the attention that that brought onto them jesus speaking of bringing on attention that's like i don't know if edward scissorhands did narcos Who um, did <laughs> but uh that was Mike Hernandez himself. Stop trying to promote your own podcast, Mike. We see the fucking sticker. <laughs> I have no. I'm just a guest. It's it's Mike that's trying to figure out the controls over here, just clicking on everything. <laughs> yeah, but uh, look, look, just to go back to the point, I think that one thing that's really starting to come out, uh, sort of come to light for me is that that this is a dude that can handle the pressure, and and by God, is he doing it at the right time? <laughs> the thing that kind of impresses me about Saka is you, you see these kids and we say that literally because when they started making their debuts at like 16 17 18 and you're always kind of waiting for the tilt to when are they not children because we've Mm. been so accustomed of of talking about the arsenal the youngest team youngest team in the league and it's been like that for the last couple of seasons i think it was jared that that released like a great thread last year when we were the youngest and like top four has been accomplished but it was like very few young squads are able to get to that state. So the fact that we were so close was as impressive. But yeah, there, we we kept on waiting for the the statement kind of season, and maybe we were finally there with with Saka as as uh, Owen mentioned. Not not only just the season that he's asking with Arsenal, but the performance he put on in the World Cup. Uh, you could slightly see the same with Martinelli. He didn't get the chance to play as much in the World Cup, but when he did play he performed at a level that made the world look. So 
I, I think we're we're finally moving slightly past, and of course, the position in the table helps where we might not be just looked at as that young team. Now we're just looking at that team with elite young talent, which is a really good place to be. Look, if you're younger than my kids, then you can still be considered a kid. I mean, and and so at this point, 21 and a half is the, is the barrier line. Uh, so, you know, Saka, Martinelli, I, I, I think Saka might be a little older than that, but- uh, Grandma Jack is old enough to be your kid. Well, <laughs> He, uh, you know, I don't think he, he would agree to that, though. Aston is one <laughs> of the kids. Um, but, yeah, it, Tom Canton is another one. The uh, the kids are are all right, as they say. And um, they're, it, it, it's such an amazing projection as to what these guys are going to be like for the next seven or eight years. I mean, we're used to buying 24- and 25-year-olds and watching them blossom into their prime. And we've got guys who will be 24, 25 in the middle of their next contract. And there will be next contracts for these guys. Uh, but they're, 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 I mean, at the end of their next contracts, they're going to be 26, 27. And, and, and by that point, what will we have accomplished? I hope a lot. Uh, if not, I mean, they're, they're not going to turn into Hector Bellerin. Uh, who I who I once called a seventy million pound player <laughs> in the first season of of podcasting, and uh, and we sold for negative seventy million pounds. But uh, let me ask you something, Mike. Actually, on what you're saying, because we're all kind of elaborating on Saka. One of the interesting things is that first goal that he scored was kind of a different kind of goal, a goal that we haven't seen him score, like a, like a goal. scrappier goal that we've seen now twice in a row. Saka seems to be adding more. What what's the word? A arrows to his quiver, or or you know more. He's adding to his more belt. things to his arsenal, is what you should say. Oh shit! Fixed it. Done. Um, actually, I had a replacement <laughs> bell because any good podcaster will have a replacement bell. Um, yeah. What is he? What is he? What is he the best at? And what is he even bad at, if anything? He's the best at football. Mm. Um, and he's bad at sucking. Um, at, at, at football. Um, yeah. I was. Uh... No, I. I. Well, I don't know about that, but the. Uh, I mean, he. he it's a compilation of experiences, reps that, you know, when you're 15 years old and you have the right approach towards football and you're learning and you're, you know, I'm, I have no doubt. I don't know this. I haven't researched this. But when he was 15, I'm guessing he was playing in the full under 18s, um, I, I would think. And he was playing with 18-year-olds, maybe occasionally getting to play alongside some of the more senior players who would drop down into the into the youth team, even with the U21s when he was 15, 16, 17 years old. I could be completely making that up, but I think that's probably his trajectory. And you just pick things up and they're all coming, and, you know, and 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 you don't use them right away. You may not be skilled enough to completely, you know, to to have every skill in the book, but there is a skill as as we will probably talk when the, you know, when the pod inevitably switches over to the Nikedia subject. There is a skill and an ability to being in the right place at the right time. And whereas some players can dribble the hell out of you and do spin moves and, and get sold from Ajax to Manchester United for a hundred million pounds, um, you know, but they can't actually play football. There are other players who just are complete football players and Bukayo Saka 
if he can just not get kicked into early retirement, he is gonna he's gonna add so many more of these things to his game. Uh, he's he's suddenly at the right place in the right time. He's not just starting runs; he's finishing them. Um, it, it's I I just cannot wait to see this guy. I, I you know in a couple weeks, in a couple years, I just want this guy at Arsenal for the next five to six years. I, this is going to be a statue of him before he turns 25. Can I, is, can I, can can I, I exaggerate anymore? <laughs> yeah, that's people's advocate about how we before might... there's even an Arson Banger statue, there's going to be a Bakayo back statue. <laughs> no, 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 but look, uh, something that I have noticed as well recently, and look, we all, every single podcast from here to Timbuktu is, is talking about um, the amount of fouls that Bakayo Saka receives and the lack of protection that he receives from the referees. But something that I like is that you can look at certain players, you know, I would say like Aiden Hazard, um, these tricky wingers with brilliant feet who who run um, wing-backs ragged um, and get kicked around for it. You can either turn into a victim, like Aiden Hazard, who lies on the ground and complains, or you can have a little bit of fuck-you attitude, where after Bakayo Saka is receiving these sort of heavy treatment from the opposition, he's now getting up and he's turning around and he's giving a little back. You know, you can see him single out people that have targeted him and lay one back on them. And that's why we're starting to see Bakayo Saka pick up numerous yellow cards now. I think he's on what four for the season. So it's it's nice to see somebody who we would all associate sort of things like being a kind dude and a quite a chill guy, but he's not a pushover. And I think that's one of the biggest things for somebody his age in playing in the style of player that he plays. Do you think Saka could benefit from being a little bit, as Mike McDonald put it last night on the podcast, a little bit less nice. We, we often see that Martinelli is extremely good at being able to pull cards out of the ref's pockets because when he goes down and he gets knocked down he does that thing where for a few seconds he he holds his ankle raises his hand physically shows like his face you know he's like i'm in pain ref just to like oversell it so you think like i really like what owen is saying as far as you know giving them back but at this point giving it back currently isn't really working out for him in the sense that if he's getting the cards when he's getting the, the ever leaving piss kicked out of him so maybe and you know it's it's a blurred thin line that we have to walk of course because we don't like players overselling it and i'm not saying that he should be diving but maybe emphasizing the contact when when they t- they take them down be like you know ah whatever grab make make sure that the ref could physically view you in pain so that he can maybe psychologically just be having that in his noggin for the next time they kick you down. I think that's it. And he's almost in a little bit of football in purgatory and that the other players recognize how good he is and they make those tactical fouls on him regularly to try and stifle his game. But at the same time, he's not old enough or well-established enough or have the accolades along with him to where the referees are sort of you know, calling the game in his favor like they do when you see players like De Bruyne or, you know, any of the big name players. So he's kind of in that awkward middle phase. The positive news is I think he's far enough along in his development and is getting acknowledged enough. He's getting towards the end of that where over time, you know, referees are going to start to treat him the way they treat a lot of other stars. So that's a, a good thing for him. But in the current, I know somebody mentioned he had four yellow cards this year. 
Um, I saw, I think Orbino put the tweet up yesterday that said not a single player this season has received a yellow card for a foul committed on Bakayo Saka, which when you see how many fouls he takes, just seems absolutely insane or almost impossible. But it just shows you kind of where he is in the pecking order of officiating in English football. And unfortunately, it's probably not where he deserves to be by most standards. I'm now going to take in the game tomorrow night in a completely different way because if Saka gets a yellow card, he's he's missing Spurs, or if he gets one against Spurs, he's missing United. Which that's know, three players for us now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Saka, Saka as well. Saka, Partey, and, oh, Partey uh, as well. Yeah, Partey's on four as well, and oh, Saliba, yeah. oh, and Jesus as well when he comes back. And, and any any mid, Spurs players on May. four? Of course not. I, I'm mid sure. May when he comes back, yeah. Uh, Harry Kane, the think, is he? I, 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 he gets carded. You watch Spurs, <laughs> anyways. I, 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 I mean, it's, it's carry fun. over from ten seasons. <laughs> but listen, we're we're heaping all this praise on Bukayo Saka as as he's really really earned it. But what's crazy is there's another. There's a there's a player in our team that might actually be eclipsing who it who might be the young player of the year in Bakayo Saka. And well, I got something to show y'all. There's two. In 1998, right before Christmas, in the deep forest of Buskeru, a Norwegian couple awaited the birth of their second child. Later that day, a star was born. Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, Veron, Suarez, Van Basten, Gianluigi Buffon, Xavi, Iniesta, Drogba, Hazard, Tevez, Schweinsteiger, Steven, Gerard, Alessandro Del Piero, Neymar, Forlan, Ozil, Nakata, Jean-Pierre Papin, Balak, Van Persie, Beckham, Giggs, Scholes, but the strongest of them all. Our new intro from now on. Please. No, I think you've just watched the final monetized Gunnar podcast of all time. (laughs) No more five cents per show going to Gunnar's versus cancer. That's our 77th YouTube strike. Where the hell did you follow up? Find that. Uh, listen, it, it, it took what? some, it took some digging. I remembered it from when we signed him. It still has like the real Madrid edits in them and stuff. But... Literally demonetizing this as we speak so that no one finds it. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally incredible. But yeah, we have to talk about him, right? Because I mean, arguably he's been the best player in the league over the last, since we've come back. I mean, it's been an absolute show from him. Um, um, what are you feeling about Martin Odegaard right now, Mikey Hers? 
he is a fucking superstar that consistently performs at least seven out of ten. And I I almost and and maybe because I, I have a little bit of uh, animosity towards the Bundesliga bastards towards I, Norwegians. I, yeah, no, towards it, that that's uh Danny the GFP's term right there. And I, I'm almost growing like bored of the Ozo comparisons, and I'll tell you why. Um Udegaard likes football more than Fortnite. And I and I think that's that's really Damn. valuable to us. So Damn. I think it's really valuable. So you know he's he's an incredible talent. Tactically, head over heels, probably better than anybody in our squad. Um, completely dedicated to the game. He's adding more and more to his game every every season, it seems, because this he wasn't doing this shit last season, and both Udegaard and Shaka just decided, fuck it, we're going to add goals. And we know it's up to that, that talent them, right, to, to take these type of shots. But it's amazing the growth that he's having. It's amazing that the chemistry that he's building with with his teammates, because, I mean, like the, the assists for the fourth goal is just – fucking bonkers but in in for the foresight of martinelli to say yeah i could see him doing this it is just it's absolutely insane so it's it's he's been unplayable for the last few games but what i like to point out is he's had so many brilliant games that i feel like if you want walked into a, a bar and asked him hey what do you think his best game has been i genuinely think you could get a multitude of answers because he has ran the game in like multiple, multiple games. It was, and the best game was against Milan. No doubt. You, you shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Him, him argue with my boy Tonali was, was depressing. I don't, I don't like to see my two boys fight like that. But he, he was the one player that stuck out to me in those friendlies. And, in, in, you know, the, in what they have three that we could watch and two behind <clears> closed doors. Um, he looked like he was in the World Cup final himself in those games. And, you know, you just wondered whether that was just kind of, hey, these are friendlies and he's taking them at full speed and he's playing against teams that aren't or playing with players that aren't. He just looked a different level in that game, in, in those games. And it has, I mean, it's not to say that he was poor before or as Owen would say, purr before. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, sorry transfer kitty um but i mean he, he he has hit a different level and i'm just loving seeing kind of everybody coming to agreement on this because there were still some you know some hungover madison fans and and you know we should assign this person or that person instead of odegaard and i don't think anyone in the world right now would say that that wasn't the best signing we could have possibly made at that time and and he is an arteta guy which counts for something in this team hierarchy that he has uh, because if you're an Arteta guy, you're being given every opportunity to learn and flourish in this system. And, and, and that's why, that's why he was made captain. Jared, before you jump in, I just want to show you one more thing and I want you to respond to it. Everybody who has watched it, he 
have really changed since the last time I've been on. Have, have, have we ever got three copyright strikes in one video? I, I just got sued. Like, like I literally in the last two minutes, I just got sued. Uh, By the way, print it out to you, Mac Daddy. We're going to have to have a little chat. <laughs> Can you just play some some music in the background? And you just yeah. pick any. And now, squad. please enjoy. Play the North great... London Forever in the background. There was a great Highbury Squad on right before this. We're now going to play the whole show. Yeah, no, uh, th th this is going to continually run on to a Lord of the Rings trilogy. Premiered <laughs> 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 on the Guinness Pod. Oh, I guess it is pretty remarkable that it looked like that entire video was just highlights from this season, and it's a pretty good compilation of nutmegs, spins. I mean everything you could ask for and i'll kind of throw it out there to anybody in the group right now on form i think the only argument would maybe be holland is there a better player in the premier league right now today this season than martin odegaard tap in owen um no to be honest no no absolutely not and look uh i don't often uh, i'm not right a lot that's not something that happens very often with stuff but You're i remember right. i remember but, I remember with the um, Lissandra Martinez deal and the and the Alexander Sinchenko deal when those players were being linked. I remember saying that if it was sixty million for uh, Martinez and it was sixty million for Sinchenko, that I would take Sinchenko over Martinez in a heartbeat. And rewind back, find the podcast. I remember saying the identical thing with Martin Odegaard and James Madison. I remember that people were freaking out about paying this 30-odd million for Martin Odegaard and the price being touted for James Madison was in the region of 60, 70 million. And I said for the same amount of money I would take Martin Odegaard because certain footballers have an intelligence that, that not many do. You know, Martin Odegaard to me is a player who is playing drafts while every, or playing chess while everybody else is playing drafts, checkers, free American fucks. Um, but his ability to see things that's just that other people don't see his ability to control the tempo of a game. And no matter what the opposition seemingly set out to do to try and nullify Martin Odegaard, he's absolutely unbelievable at finding those pockets of space and staying effective regardless of what anybody tries to do. Um, for me, I said it on last week's podcast that I think he's my favorite footballer to watch since, since Dennis Burkamp. He's just so graceful on the ball and yeah, look, the, the frightening thing as well, when you think about it, this is a dude who came in as a Real Madrid reject or whatever anyone wants to call him. Uh, you know, he was surplus to requirements there. Zinedine Zidane didn't want him anywhere near the squad, seemingly. And he came in here really to kill six months um, and ended up as the club captain all within less than a two-year span. And this is what I mean. People are forgetting he isn't much older than Bakayo Saka or Eddie and Kadia, he's just in that age bracket. So the turnaround in this dude's career over the course of you know twenty four months is is absolutely outstanding. And the frightening thing is is that he's nowhere even near his peak. Well, who do we credit for that turnaround? Do you think? <laughs> I mean, it's me. I well, told him yeah. to cite him. Obviously, yeah. um, and people with as nice hair as you have. But the uh, who. I forgot what my question was going to be, but it was... I'll, I'll answer it for you. It's a mixture. It's a mixture of the coaching of Mikel Arteta, but most of all, I think when you look at some players, no, no, everybody, everybody chases the move. You know, in football, now it's a mercenaries game. It's people are out to make as much money for themselves and their agent in a short period of time. But 
I think what Martin Odegaard has realised, and maybe thankfully that he went to Real Madrid so young, at 15 years of age, he was at arguably the biggest club in world football. And he's seen now that the bright lights aren't always exactly what you want in your career. What you want is somewhere, somewhere that wants you. And, and, and granted, maybe half the fan base didn't even really want him, but he's found somewhere now at this stage of his career where he can call home. And for me, that's a deadly combination. When you've got somebody who has been through the glitz and glam of football already and that all that sort of um, novelty has worn off, and now that he's slotted in somewhere like Arsenal where he's been given the captain's armband, he's being adored by the fans, and he's proven to everybody just how good he is, it's a match made in heaven, in my opinion. What I was gonna say, what I was gonna say, and I'll ask, I'll ask you, Mike. Um, if I if I were hiring a a scout and saying you have two years to bring me four players that we're gonna turn into stars, what is your biggest? What is the thing you look for most in a player? And the answer wasn't football intelligence. If it was technical skills, if it was two-footedness if it was any of these things you know aerial duels i would sack the, I, I wouldn't hire the person because football intelligence i think we're learning is just like we're learning that it's not just talent it's mentality it's focus it's 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 all that football intelligence like owen suggested is is odegaard's greatest uh you know his greatest asset is i, I think we're learning how important that is so uh i mean do you do you think that some teams just don't stress that enough in their scouting united and um and and, and chelsea and and others united chelsea spurs etc etc yeah it's, I, it's, I, it's not about not, one ball it's about the players and their i mean and because you can't teach football intelligence there's some players that don't develop and I'm, I'm gonna take a swipe at one of our old players look theo wilcott for as fast as he yeah. was it didn't stop him from dribbling straight into defenders and there's it's it's a it's a low thing it's a low rated thing and not just football it's just on many many athletes we we spoke about this a lot in the past where there's football players basketball players they just have like pick you know picture type memory and they're just they're just witty and smart and know where to be and and it's a very very valuable asset that people kind of underestimate i guess to to your point mike because you know hey especially now that we're moving towards such a stat driven you know kind of world where they're like, Hey, what is his stat? You know, it's completion. What is how much he runs, et cetera, et cetera. And one thing that I, I took from the, the Amazon prime, I, I think they, it got mentioned with the do is it was that, or during an interview where I do kind of mentioned uh, a player at Dortmund that the club was looking at, and this isn't too football intelligent, but they, they really emphasize the character of the player as well. And mm -hmm. I think if you're looking at our group of players right now, this ride or die mentality that they have, you know, I always point out of how fast everybody just immediately flocked back. I, I find it amazing that William Saliba left the World Cup final when he was playing versus West Ham in such a short span of time. I think character. Amazing how he's is, able to sit in one place and then, and then stand in another place. Sit and then fly <laughs> somewhere else. Well, yeah, the fly. Well, that's more sitting, yeah. but in the air. Yes, it's I mean, sitting but higher. <laughs> credit, credit where credit is due, sir. Okay, he sat up there. We are here. So that I mean, credit. Well, and and, and that's so, why anyone who watches uh, YouTube compilations and thinks Mikhailo Mudrik is just a speed merchant uh, with you know without the technical or 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 intelligence qualities clearly 
doesn't understand that unlike with Nicola Pepe, when we didn't really scout him at all, we just, I think, I think he was signed based on a desire to, you know, for role. Well, he was signed for a few different reasons uh, for an amount that mostly went into the pockets of, uh, of, of Raul uh, and others and, uh, and made for a splashy signing when we were asking them if they cared. And, uh, you know the fact that that Mudrik might seem like like Pe- Pepe Part Two is ignoring the fact that you know we're not we may not hit a hundred percent transfer perfection though we're doing pretty darn good with it save for things like William and you know but in the last eighteen months I mean you know even even Nuno Tavares and Sambi Lacanga still have bright futures in front of them whether it's with Arsenal or not we don't know. But, um, you know, that, that's the one thing that makes me feel comfortable about Mudrick being similar to Martinelli, perhaps a little less polished than Martinelli, speed merchant, heavy touch, as, as Elliot said earlier today, uh, you know, in the, in the, I guess it's Y Scout, uh, you know, that it shows. I, I, he, he seems to be someone that they believe can be molded if he's not already the finished product. And, and in that sense, I can't wait to, to see him here. Jumped ahead William, a little bit. William was just rouge, by the way. We went into give the rest of the league a false sense of security. Mm. So not bad would, for Fulham. That's his where they would sell us, you know, Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko. So had William not shown up at our doorstep, these deals would not have. Right. It's that was a rope, chess. It was a rope-a-dope I mean, situation. It's a rope-a-dope, dude. Come on. Do we- Think to be fair, to be fair, Willian, I, I listen, a lot of people hate on Willian, but you don't understand you none of you guys understand his purpose. He was a prophet. He came to us and he said, I believe in Arteta, and I believe after three years, we're on the after three years now, he will win the Champions League. That's going to be the next season. I'm just saying it's you know out who, of Willian's you know mouth. Who, speaking of prophets, you know who predicted this like 20 years ago? Mm. Whitney just Oh, oh wow! Because Whitney, Quick, Houston, I'm sure Aston has a Whitney Houston clip to play. Whitney, said, yeah, Whitney Houston said, "I believe the children are their future," and look at what's happening right now. No, no, no. But but I want to bring it back to the game real quick. And and Jared, that was lame. lame. (laughs) It really was. And and I'll have you jump in on this. We're talking about um, Saka and Martinelli and and uh, um, well Odegaard. I'm not Martinelli. Odegaard. The thing that makes him flourish, sometimes it's chemistry and it's about having other smart players around you. And when I look at this image and I'm reminded that today, well, uh, the other day, the game against Brighton was the second game in a row where all three attacking players, actually all four attacking players had a goal contribution. What does that say about the team and what does that say about this group? Well, I think at the root level, Arsenal is a good example of, you know, the old adage we've all heard that if you're good enough, you're old enough. It, uh, we don't need 25, 26, 27 year old players up front when the guys that we have at 20, 21, 22 are getting the job done. As far as the team, and this kind of goes back to what Mike said earlier about what quality would you look for in a player? And I think the one that came to mind for me, and I know hers mentioned the character aspect that we look into, but I think also a little humility goes a long way. When you look at what kind of player can be molded and formed and learn and improve very quickly, it's a player that has some humility and understands that they're not at their peak, which is why I think when you look at, you know, in a vacuum, if you looked at Anthony and Gabriel Martinelli at a similar age, you might say they're on a similar level or Anthony was well ahead. And I think now there's been a total switch there. And I don't think there's anybody out there that would take Anthony over Martinelli right now. And I think a lot of that comes down to the character 
and the composure and just the general attitude of those two players. One is a humble, hard worker, always, you know, giving his maximum. The other spins in a circle to get some Instagram clips. And the fact that we've gone sort of that character route, obviously Sokka's come through the academy, so he's always been here. But when you look at Tierney, Odegaard, players like that, that we've just signed, there's obviously an emphasis on those sort of things. And it's really come to fruition pretty quickly for us, probably faster than even Edu or Arteta would have anticipated. But it just also kind of shows when you make small improvements in a number of different areas, you're going to see a large improvement in the aggregate. And that's what we've seen thus far this year. I mean, I don't think any of us back in August would have anticipated, you know, January 1st, we're seven points clear of City at the top of the table. I think we all thought we expected a better team than last year, but but nothing like we've seen. So we're pretty fortunate, but it's just kind of a, a confluence of all these little things coming together. And Martin Odegaard playing at an exceptionally high level. Um, the last thing I'll mention on him, you mentioned earlier having good, smart players around him. During his six-month loan, there was a number of times, and we talked about it on the pod at the time, he would get bashed for an errant pass where he would play a ball through and there's just nobody there. And I think now we're kind of seeing more that it wasn't necessarily him misplaying a ball as much as it is him reading the game a little better than his teammates at that time and them not seeing the run that he was seeing. So that time together, you know, since he's come back and, and played all these games consecutively with those guys on the wings, you sort of see that continuity grow to where we're not seeing those errant balls. And those guys are making those sort of instinctive runs, knowing that he's going to put the ball in the right place. Um, you know, we're talking about all the good stuff, but I'm going to I'm going to throw this at you, hers, um, because I want to talk a little bit of tactics because it has to be said. Right. There, there did seem to be just the, the slightest bit of drop off when we made those substitutions, right? When when we had Tierney come on, when we had El Nini come on. But even before that, we generally were playing with low possession. Do, do, is that Was that a tactic from Mikel Arteta? Were we approaching this game differently? And, and how can we avoid, you know, almost losing a three-goal lead in, in the future? Sorry, clear my throat. No, I... I think that's just how the game played out. Normally, we 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 have a lot more possession in our dominance, but uh, Mitoma was just being a nuisance to us. And Brighton, despite them missing a lot of players, they have been a heavily possession-based team this whole season. And you know, and so we, I think it's going to be one of those things where a lot of average is going to take over, and we're not going to be able to dominate possession in every single game. You know, uh, slightly. Turning away from Brighton, I saw this stat where Brentford uh, has outdone, it was like United, Chelsea, Liverpool, and City on XG this season mm. playing against them, and yet we dominated and, and won 3 0. So it's these these teams, they, they know what they're doing, and sometimes we're not able to fully um, insert and impose our style, I'll, I'll say. So I don't think it's going to be the last game we're going to play like this, but I won't, I, you know, so I, I expect it to happen again. The brilliant part, so to say, is for a game or so, maybe against even West Ham when we were slightly, slightly shaking the first half, is we were getting all these chances or at least half or three-quarter chances, I like to say, and we weren't being extremely lethal. So now for the last two games, second half was West Ham in this game, we really turned up the the clinicalness of it, if you will. We're like, anytime we, we had an opportunity, we were really tying those screws on them. So 
I, I think that is speaking to a team that's growing in confidence, that, that type of swag that, you know, like we can't fail type of mentality that they have. So I think it's a, it's a good thing that we could have games like this where we don't have a lot of possession and maybe future games where when we might not have the ball as a fan, we could still kind of sit back and say, well, we could still make something out of nothing. And that, that is a mm. feeling that we haven't had in a really long time. As far as the substitutes go, listen, I, I was one of the people that when I saw the subs, especially for both fullbacks, for me, it made total sense. I, I, I said, yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a management thing. It's, it's a time management thing. I do believe that, you know, Zinchenko was coming back from injury, so maybe he wasn't prepared for the full 90 minutes. Ben White is one of those players that plays 90 minutes week in, week out. But at the same time, Tomiyasu was coming back from minutes, so maybe 30 minutes for match fitness, match fitness you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that at 3-0 up with 30 minutes left, I didn't consider it a massive risk. So I was thinking, yeah, this is, this is reasonable. The first goal that happened, you know, it, it was a clumsy giveaway from Tomiyasu. But honestly, the, the second goal, I don't, I don't think it was it was Tommy Tierney or, or Neni. It was more of a Saliba mistake. And I mean, yeah. we we could touch about Saliba a little bit more if you would like. We could expand on him. But at the end of the day, he's a 21 year old center defender playing in one of the best league in the world. And I don't think this is one of those things where I don't think fans need to worry too much because Saliba has proven to be a fairly elite defender in many, many games. And unlike his counterparts who had either more minutes in the World Cup or had a preseason, he's kind of coming from playing for France for X amount of minutes, not even a full 90, and just sitting on his rear end. I believe Arsblog spoke about this of... I forgot the word he used. There's a there's an actual word about this, but essentially he was saying it's better for a, a body and movement stays in movement. So momentum? it's 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 not momentum. It was another one that he oh, mentioned. But he was saying yeah. that he was saying just in general for these type of athletes, you don't want to have them playing for a, a long stint, then completely pause and do absolutely fuck all, and then okay, here you go, go play an elite football again, right? So he is one of the players that played throughout the World Cup. He had the least amount of minutes on an actual field. Even mm-hmm. our other players that, you know, got knocked out earlier, they were at least able to go back to Dubai and participate in some of the friendlies. So we've seen it. You know, it, it, he was a little wobbly during West Ham. He, he was a little wobbly again. But honestly, it, he's 21. I think these mistakes will happen even when he finds his complete match fitness and form. But... I think it's going to be something that's going to be slowly eliminated from his game. And I'm a big believer that a defender doesn't mature until he's like late 20s, almost early 30s. You got to be really sharp. I, I remember a big, uh, a, a, a favorite of my Paolo Malini saying, if you need to make a tackle, you already made a mistake. So mm-hmm. knowing yeah. where to be is a big part of it. Can I, can, I, can I jump in on the, on the subs thing, just tactically why I think that, that failed because one of the stats you keep throwing up is the is the possession stat, which is pretty unusual for an Arsenal side to surrender so much possession. And I remember within the first ten or fifteen minutes, I was actually getting pretty pissed off at Eddie and Kedia, simply because I think what he was doing a lot of good work, but I also was looking and thinking, in terms of triggering the press, that he wasn't being aggressive enough. He was standing off too long, and he wasn't 
cutting cutting off the defenders early enough. But sort of after looking at it for a few more minutes, I was starting to realise, well, the entire team isn't really pressing that high up. And simply what I think that we were doing was sitting back, surrendering some possession at the back because we knew that uh, Brighton were potentially dangerous on the counter-attack with that long ball in behind. And I think that's what we tried to do to nullify that threat, which surrendered possession, because let's face it, they had a lot of nothing possession. In terms of the substitutions themselves and the personnel that come in, I agree completely with Mike. You know, <clears throat> um, Ben White has played a lot of minutes. It's a very congested period. Uh, Zinchenko uh, is just recovering from um, a repeated injury himself. So uh, you don't really want to be putting too many minutes into his legs either. And let's face it, th- those two dudes that come on were our last season or starting uh, wing-back players. They're very capable defenders. But And, and this isn't a knock on them at all. It's just a... Um, it's just where Ben White and Zinchenko's qualities lie. And I think that it was never more evident than last night how much control Alexander Zinchenko, we all know technically is a fantastic footballer in possession. All you have to do is look at our first goal. When Partey makes a tackle, look at where Alexander Zinchenko is. He's so infield. He's so involved. Um, but something that maybe gets overlooked with Ben White is how secure he is in possession, how technically <laughs> secure he is in terms of helping build up play, helping retain play. And let's face it, um, his name's eluding me for some reason, Hurts mentioned uh, the, the left side of winger for Brighton. Matoma? Matoma. I don't think it was coincidental that, that I don't think he was very lively at all until Tommy Asu came up the field. I think that Ben White had him completely wrapped up, had him completely quiet. And Tommy Asu come on, and I think did struggle. I think that even for the the Brighton second goal, he got sort of drawn in field a little and left too much space on on, on our right hand side. But let's face it: if you're going to make mistakes, it's under those types of conditions. It's three 0 up. You know, people talk about, oh, we can't be letting teams creep back into it. But let's face it: if we want to shake rust off Kieran Tierney, if we want to shake rust off. Uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu if we want to shake rust off Mohamed Elneny it's under those conditions if we concede two goals doing that fuck it we've scored four that's the benefit of having that goal difference um, and, and Matoma just spent a month with Tomiyasu so he knows all yeah. the ins and outs and uh, you know yeah yeah no, but look, look look, I think what what we'll have to remember here is it's a squad game and, and blooding the legs of our players is so important after a World Cup a mid-season World mm-hmm. Cup break which is unprecedented so for me was it a risk probably not really i think anybody that says it was a stupid decision at the time is mm-hmm. is nitpicking and being stupid but uh yeah it, it could have went a lot worse but let's we came through it on scaven and as mass gunner said it's a lesson learned when no points dropped so it's a win-win all around you can say that it that that we played a lot less securely after the subs were made without claiming that it was a massive mistake and a dumb move to you know to do because again we're lucky enough to have been able to 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 make a decision that backfired when you're up 3-0 and and responding well to to adversity by you know by maintaining a three-point lead um you know after a three goal lead after uh, after they score their first so um that bought us. I mean, we didn't close it out. We didn't win three 0 We won four two. We learned some lessons. We got three points. We rested some legs. We now have uh, you know games on the the third. The we'll probably rest more legs on the ninth, 
And then we've got massive, massive games ahead of that. So, uh, I mean, that, that, that was a win for us in every way, other than the fact that we didn't, we didn't fail to drop even the slightest bit of a level. We, we dropped a level, but mm. you know, just one more thing on the on the defense. Sorry, Aston. I'll let I'll let you. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this up to Jared, and then it, the, the floor is yours. <laughs> We're I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want you. I want to get Jared involved, and I just have a, a question for him about our defense, and that is. We're seeing Tomiyasu even at a bit part rate get more minutes than Rob Holding. If if we see one of Saliba or potentially Gabriel either being suspended, hurt, you know, whatever, can you see a world in which Tomiyasu fits in as center back prior to Holding for Arteta? I, I don't see him fitting in at center back, but the reason I think we're more likely to see him than Holding is positional and that we want to keep him as sharp as possible. As Owen said, Ben White plays a lot of 90-minute games, so getting Tomoyasu the opportunity to come in and stay fresh and stay involved and just up to game speed is huge because I think if we saw Gabriel or Saliba go down, it wouldn't necessarily be holding that took over. It could possibly be Ben White. Um, I think that's probably one that would be pretty up for debate, but having Tomoyasu fresh and ready does kind of leave us those options open. And if there's anything we've seen under Arteta is that he likes having that sort of positional uh availability in more than one area for each player and having Tomiyasu fresh really does that for us because we know both he and Ben White can cover multiple areas I, I wanted to because I, I want to put the game to bed because we have so much to talk to and it's already been an hour but I do ha I do want to say this and and I think this is because there's been such an air around Eddie and Kedia that whenever I hear the slightest bit of negativity, I also want, I always want to just jump in and just like positive, 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 like counter, counter that. And, and, I, and I don't mean that you were being, anybody was being specifically negative to him, but I do want to, I, I do want to throw in that fourth goal to Gabriel Martinelli. Odegaard's going to get all the highlights. Martinelli is going to get all the highlights, but what you, what is really missed is when Odegaard receives the ball from Xhaka the center backs are in a back four line and Kedia makes the dart towards Odegaard as if he's going to receive the ball, pulls that center back. So it is just Martinelli against Lamptey at the end there. And that now, is, you could have ripped off. Well, actually, I guess it was at the end of your, uh, your copyrighted Odegaard. Uh, that, <laughs> that would be some good video to watch. Can, can yeah. I, can I jump on that one, Aston? Because uh, you're touching on a really good point and it's the criticism of Eddie and Kedia. And I think that, probably above anybody in this panel that I'm probably someone that puts them under the microscope more than others because and and a, a part of that uh, oh talking about being under the microscope Ooh, uh, everybody loves but, his wow. face oh, but, but, oh sorry but, sorry I was distracted by the beauty but yeah you, you bring up a brilliant point of exactly what Eddie and Kedia does well and we talked about intelligence Eddie and Kedia has that striker's intelligence he has those moves the, you know the little it's amazing the way a one-yard move as a striker can can positionally change the structure of an entire defense. And Eddie and Kelly can do that for days. It's whether he can emulate the the work rate of of Gabriel Jesus, which is no easy task. It's like these people that say, "Let's sign a Partey replacement or backup or whatever." You know, there there isn't very many out there that can do what Thomas Partey does, and there's not very many players that can do what Gabriel Jesus does, but. For me, all I would like to see from Eddie and Kedia is he has that intelligence. He has that ability to move defenders about. But just the application of pressure is where I think he falls short. And for me, 
I will never question. Yeah, if you if you have a lack of ability, that's fine. You can only do as much as you can do. But when it's in terms of application or effort, that's when I start to question people. And I'm not saying that he's lazy or that he doesn't do it. It's just that someone of his athletic profile, of his age, of his style, could do so much more to help his own case. Uh, mm-hmm. In my opinion, to make himself a, a higher echelon Premier League striker. Well, well, this is why I wanted to. This is why I wanted to make that aside because I didn't think anybody here was being personally negative to him. But I do want to say that on this podcast, I said to Magic Mike, "Who in the Premier League does Eddie and Kedia start in front of?" And at the time, I said, "There's not a single team in the league." And boy, am I wrong. He would start for. I think he even starts for Chelsea. I honestly think he starts for Chelsea at this point. Like, I think, I, <laughs> I think Eddie and Kedia is, is, and he's always going to get sucked in. He's not this striker. He's not, he's not a Bama Yang. He's not, he's not a Gabriel Jesus yet because he's Eddie motherfucking in Kedia. And that's good enough for me. And, and it should be, and hopefully it's good enough for the fan base. And I really hope that this dark cloud kind of, uh, do, uh, do you, do you really think, I mean, and, and I'm going to I'm gonna question this because I don't know that he just fits in anywhere based on who he is on his own. I think I think what he's doing right now is showing that he was willing to work, he was willing to take a back seat, and he was willing to play in, in uh, you know, to take his – he maybe more than anybody doesn't fit Arteta's system in my mm. tactically astute major football now, uh, you know, opinion. You're, you're Big brain over here. No, you know, we are. You're so spot on. The, the he, I, I don't think he fits the system, but he is willing to give it a, you know, give it a go, give it the old, the old college try, as the Yanks <laughs> say. And, um, you know, and and I think that playing with Gabby Jesus has really kind of taught him a lot of what you need to do. You need to sacrifice maybe a little bit of your, your, your nose for goal and and help the build up play, or at least help cause turnovers in the middle middle of the pitch by by your pressing. And if he can do that stuff, he can be a perfectly serviceable backup slash emergency number nine. Um, if he just goes into another, I mean, think of bad Premier League teams. Think of that 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 do have a little bit of talent in them, like like a Nottingham Forest or Everton. Um, you know, those kind of teams. You put him in those kinds of teams without the structure around him, without a an Odegaard, without a Martinelli and a Saka. And I don't know that he is a Premier League striker. Uh, and it's weird because normally you'd say if a guy isn't good enough, you know, if a guy's a championship level striker, you're not going to put him in the Premier League and see him succeed with a top team. You're going to see him succeed with one of the bottom teams where he can make get playing time and that sort of thing. And I don't think any Nketi is that guy. I think I think he's good enough for Arsenal because Arsenal are are making him good enough to be that. And I've always been a supporter of him against many people who slated him, but I I think it's his work ethic and his desire to fit into the fit into the strategy, and 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 his innate talent that makes him good enough to survive for us to survive this period of time without Gabby Jesus. See, I completely agree with you there, and I think one thing that gets lost is the comparison. Obviously, because he's coming into a Jesus injury, is how does he compare to Gabriel Jesus? You know, Jesus, without a release clause, was probably a 70 million pound player this summer. It's not an issue of comparing him to Jesus as much as it is we need to compare him to what we've seen from Eddie in the past. And what we saw in the past is we lose a little bit in the press because Jesus is phenomenal in that area. But he does find a way to, to nick goals every game. 
And he's continued to do that. So as far as expectation, I think he's met everything I would have hoped to get out of him at this point. I don't expect him to turn into Jesus overnight because we need him. I think you're going to see Eddie and Kedia play his game, hopefully score some goals for us, which he's done. He holds the ball up well. He gets those poachers goals, but we do have a drop off in the press. So is Jesus a better footballer than him? Absolutely. Can Arsenal still be successful with Nketiah in there for the next two months? Again, I think absolutely, because while he brings something different, he still finds a way to impact games in his own way. Everybody's going to go. Can I just throw this back to Jared here? Yeah, because w- with Ed Nketiah, like you said, there we lose a bit in the press. Does it not frustrate you that that is something within his own control that he can change, you know, that that isn't something in terms of ability or, or tactical implication that, that, that a manager's thrusted upon him. It's simply just the, the levels that that would take him up in terms of how everybody looks at Eddie and Kadia. You know, we're talking about this golfing class between Eddie and Kadia and Gabriel Jesus. I would say that Eddie and Kadia is a better finisher than Gabriel Jesus in front of goal. But if he just put that, added that sort of string to his bow in terms of press and a work rate, that he would be viewed by everybody so differently. Oh, I think he absolutely would. It's just, I don't know that everybody has the understanding of the game positioning and just sort of that intuitiveness that Gabriel Jesus has to know the right time to press, to push forward. Eddie lacks that. I do agree with you that Eddie's a better finisher. I think if you put Eddie's finish in on Gabriel Jesus, you've got a hundred million pound footballer and we wouldn't be talking about who should be in the game. Can I suggest something? Could it possibly be the fact that Gabriel Jesus presses people in the left back position might be the reason why he doesn't score as much? And maybe that's why Eddie scores. And if Eddie did press like a maniac all through, because I thought he pressed pretty well in the West Ham game. I think this Brighton game, I think that was a tactic. I think that we stood off them on purpose. But like I think the West Ham game, I saw I hope Eddie we did because pre- if we were pressing their asses off and got thirty three percent possession, then we, yeah. <laughs> then we got to look yeah. at ourselves. Yeah, well, if you see, we actually had a higher um, high in turnovers too. So that it, it was a weird game. I, I'm not sure. That's why I asked if it was tactics. What was our converted of- xG ratio right. over? No, over, um, no, don't ask. Don't ask. Can be good. What was our bad cholesterol, cholesterol ratio? Just, just do, go ahead. He's going to do Mike's magic numbers XG for now on, and I'm sorry that I started this. Real quick, though, I, yeah. uh, speaking about managing managing expectations with, with, chat. with Eddie and Kedia, I do have in the chat. We've got Fullerin in there. We've got we've got. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, we've huge. Got a, we've got my favorite sandwich of all time in there. <laughs> you huge shout out by the way, everybody, everybody in chat. As, as someone who's routinely changes names while in chats of podcasts to different things, it does take some work to set up all these different accounts. So, uh, so yeah, spot. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Daniel Robert. I haven't seen him for like five minutes. <laughs> I yeah. Love <laughs> yeah, if we could just Thanks do, we, we are an hour. We are an hour in. I do want to thank everybody that's in the chat right now. I, I see you in chat, Soph. Love you, uh, Mass Gunner, Dublin Gunner. We have Mark in chat. We, you know, the usual suspects. You know, if you like us, give us a like. It helps us out with the algorithm, all that good jazz, and it, it keeps Mike going. You have no idea. Every single, every single day after the show, he's just like, we, we got, 
we got 12 likes this time. Maybe we can get 15 next time. Like you, I you actually know. translate the number of likes we got on this podcast to the number of people that like me in, in, in real life. And when I and he, when I get six, I, you know, it is a little depressing because I have three family members <laughs> and five podcast partners. So yeah, however many people like the like the podcast, Mike's going to print that many headshots to sign and hand out the next time he's back in London. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I'm, 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 I, the reason you can't see my hands and the reason it looks like something else is because I'm just busy signing eight by twelves right now, all day, uh, every day. I'm, I'm signing them Ruth Beck, though. Uh, by the way, the answer to we're, we're gonna one quick user question: the filling and Lee Gunner sandwich. If you don't know that, you clearly didn't watch the podcast. It was tuna fish. <laughs> okay, I've been wanting to get a, get a little bit away from the game because there is so much. We do have a this is a New Year's show. We do have a new Arsenal to talk about, but we have to. We must, we cannot ignore the fact that everybody lost this weekend and it was great. This what is is this weekend the best weekend like we've had in like years? Like is this not the greatest weekend of all time? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's fantastic. And do you want do you want to know what uh, I've seen a lot of people saying that we should look back and 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 you know when we're looking down at the likes of Spurs losing, which is obviously always great, but even I'm looking at Liverpool losing mm-hmm. tonight, and and when I see all these teams dropping, the groundwork is just falling perfectly for us. You know, I think I've said already that Man City as well. People are looking at Man City as if they're the the Man City of years past, and I just don't think that they are. I don't think that the league is as strong as it has been in terms of um the the top teams. I think the quality is more spread out now than it's ever been. There isn't anything. Uh, there's no such thing as an easy game anymore. You know, Chelsea have dropped points too, and and it, it, it's going to happen. It's going to keep happening. You know, and you look at some of the fixtures now, like Man City of Chelsea uh, coming up, uh, Tottenham. I, I don't think of a very easy run of games either. Uh, the groundwork is just falling perfectly for us, and I love it. You know, it's like you know the Joker when he says some men just like to watch the world burn. Fucking sign me up for that shit, man. People are still acting like it's 2007, like, 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 oh, the only reason X is happening is because these teams are just, you know, falling apart this year or they're rebuilding or whatever. This is, as Owens just said, the new reality um, where on any given game day, uh, Forrest can beat Liverpool, Everton can draw City, uh, Norwich a couple seasons ago beat City uh, in their relegation year. I mean, they, these things happen, and not because the 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 top six team is just distracted or losing or whatever. It, it it's because there's more parity in the league than ever, which makes wins against Villa and and Fulham and all these teams, you know, much much more important and much much more impressive when we are winning these games even if we're winning them as we did against Leeds in very unconvincing style. Uh, so, you know, that and... Tottenham get Look at that fucking bowling ball on my how, shoulders. How embarrassed was Owen right there? I, I just, I just bear, this is the, I've seen that clip like hundred times. It was hung over. This, yeah, this the first are, time I, I like the hundred and seventh time I've seen that, and I, I didn't even notice he was there until today. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of hung over AF. Speaking of things I should have ripped off today, by the way, uh, 
I don't know if you guys saw uh, Brentford beating Liverpool and them all dancing around Jamie Carragher. And this time, for some reason, Jamie Carragher isn't dancing with them. And I just can't figure out why. And that's the thing I want to bring up about this weekend. You gave us shit when we lost Everton last year. Arteta's a fraud. Arteta out. We're we're done. Get out of here, right? Oh, look at you now, City. Oh, you gave us you gave us shit when we lost to Brentford. Look at you now, Liverpool. Oh, and Tottenham. Good evening. Good evening. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck happened? What happened? I looked away. I highlight the comment for for Owen. Um, Aston, my my question is to you. I'm gonna I'm get you a little bit involved in the answering. Is is have we created such a large enough gap between United, Chelsea, Liverpool that we no longer like look at them like a threat essentially for top four? So when they do play City, can we sit back and say? Fuck, hopefully Liverpool, you know, fuck City yeah. up. Hopefully United, fuck them up, yeah, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Like, yeah. are we, are we, are we tighter than that? The only, the only team you can't do that against is, is Tottenham. You, you, you. I mean, you, you. Well, no, you can't, you can't say when Tottenham falls that far short that you want them to beat, you know, our th- third place team or the second place team. But, but anybody else, I have no problem rooting for United in the, uh, in the, the derby that's coming up for them. No problem rooting for Liverpool if they're playing Manchester City. Um, because, One thing, uh, yeah, that's a really good point, Jewish Aston. So, Jewish Aston. Yeah, Aston. A, a good point that uh, young young Sophie, a.k.a. Lady, um, brings up is that we do Lady. still have to play Manchester City two times. And, well, I mean, those that's head the benefit of That's the benefit of a seven-point cushion when you have two games against city is that you've given yourself a little bit of leeway anticipating, maybe not taking all six points. But, but this is my point. This is my point. Look, everybody is look, everybody is looking at city going oh fuck that six points down the drain. And look, it may well be, but if Everton, if Everton, who are fucking diabolical, like that guy in that picture, diabolical, <laughs> he's a father. Jesus Christ. Um, if if Everton can take points off City, why the fuck can't we? And this is this was my point on the last podcast. I think this is the most pivotal month in our entire season. I think this is the month where the title will be won and lost. Right, just over a month, right up until fifteenth of uh, February, when when that when that Manchester City fixture is. If we can pick points up against Newcastle, if we can pick points up against Spurs, United. You know, we're going to these games without our main striker, without any January additions coming in. You know, you look at that bench last night. Emile Smith-Rowe isn't even in that bench. You know, Takihiro Tomiyasu is rusty. To people still carrying small knocks and recovering from injuries. If we can get through this period, then I think our chances are astronomical. You know who's going to be on the bench tomorrow night? <laughs> Actually, no. He he was gonna be, but but it's past his bedtime. <laughs> to be fair, the the last game or or maybe two games versus City. To Owen's point, I don't think we should go into that saying it's impossible. I mean, like literally, the last time they visited, I don't know anyone that is. Yeah, literally, the last time. No, like, because to to Owen's point, it's just every, the narrative has always been is City's the big bad wolf. Um, they are going to win the league at the end of the day, because they have Holland and they have, you know, they have um, Smith Road Jr. Kevin, I think his name is. And uh, <laughs> Super Kev. Super Kev, yeah. Um, but that's that's the whole thing, right? Uh, and look, and to fans' credit, 
I, I understand the being afraid of City because they have essentially made the league uh, a farmer's league for, for many years at this point, right? Uh, Liverpool came through and Liverpool essentially had a near-perfect league where none of their top stars got healthy. And it's kind of like, it's a bit of the luck that we kind of need. Like, mm. you know, because I, I understand, you know, everybody's like, we're in love with this Mudrik guy because of how much he's flirting with us. I know that we flipped the idea of, of a striker in, in January, but the idea of like not having Partey or Shaka scares the crap out of me as well. Because, you well, know, I, I, I was going to say for me, the drop between Gabriel Jesus and Eddie Nketiah is far less than the drop between Shaka Partey slash Elneny and Lakanga. So <laughs> one of them gets hurt. It's going to be, it's going to really, really reflect in our performance, I, I believe. Yeah, and, that, and we'll definitely bear that out in January. And I'm glad that now after Jewish Mike went, white I mean, Jewish Aston went, white Aston went, Irish Aston went, and Mexican Aston went, black Aston finally gets to answer the question that he was asked. Um, no, 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 just, just joking with everyone. But this is the thing, and this is the thing about this season. And I really want you guys to, like, take this in. I, too am an Arsenal fan and experience the PTSD and know about Arsenal blowing leads and blowing leagues and, and all the collapses that we've been, that we've been had to watch over the year, years. But here's the thing. This is the first year I have seen since like, maybe I think maybe 2008, maybe where every single team we play, I go in nervous, but within two minutes of us playing, I'm like, Oh, we got this. I there's not been a team this year. And that's why I'm not I don't really care. When you ask me, like, do I root for Liverpool to beat City? Sure. I, I mean it's funny. I, I always want Tottenham to lose, but the reality is, much like the uh Saka and Odegaard and Arteta keep talking saying to all the media, I just care about what we do because at this point, I'm not scared of any anybody in the league. So we're already ahead. If I'm not afraid of playing you, then why am I scared of City? Why am I scared of what Liverpool do? Why am I scared of what United or Ch United are on a great run of form right now? Are, they're like, going like, to they're they're finish third in this league, and it's all yeah. because they got rid of Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And they're looking so much, uh, so much fresher. Even though I say Rashford's going to become an Obamiang problem for them. Mark my words. I think Rashford, he's getting all the plaudits now, much like Obamiang did. He's coming in, he's saving the club. Everybody, they're going to sign him on a new contract because that's the conversation now. They're going to pay him too much money. And he's going to do fuck all in the next couple seasons, and it's going to be great to watch because yeah, his attitude I, isn't the same as uh, Obamiang's. That's the difference. So. I, Oh, so, so this He's not is not going to show up late for a Manchester derby. So, no, but th right, that's though? actually you're actually not. That's actually wrong. That's why Rashford didn't start. He didn't start because he showed up late. That's exactly why I'm saying this. Okay. And I and I imagine that they're in that part of the process, which is scary because that means in like three years' time they'll be a good team, whatever. But it's fun to watch while it lasts. But while we're on top, no, I'm not afraid of. I don't care what other people do because I, the only time I'm nervous is when we start looking vulnerable. When we start looking like we can be, we can be beaten right now, every team like, and, and this is the thing with the pundits, the pundits have us so trained to be afraid of these narratives. Oh, Arsenal are coming up to a strong January. How many times have you heard that? The last teams that have beaten Arsenal are Brighton, Tottenham and uh, Manchester City and they play in United and they play all of them this month. Guess what? They all have to play us this month. 
That's how I see it. So yeah. Um, and, and that being said, this year's been a year of change, right? This is a new year, new Arsenal, but this last year has probably been the best year we've had in a while. And I really want to ask you guys, what's been your favorite Arsenal? Like what's your favorite Arsenal moment of the year so far? Go ahead, Jared. You can start it off. I think my favorite for me, while it's not the most enjoyable or kind of eye-catching game for us, but it's my favorite because I think of its importance was the game against Leeds. That was that was the only game this season that I think we haven't looked the better side and maybe didn't look like we deserve to get anything out of it. And I think that's important because if you're challenging for a title, which we are legitimate title contenders, everybody wins the games they should win when they're playing well at that level. The difference between being a really good team that finishes second or third and a team that takes home the trophy is the teams that can play poorly, get outplayed on a day they're not their best and still come away with some sort of result, whether it be a point or three points. And in that game, we were exceptionally, I would say, fortunate to do so. But that's, you know, good fortunes brought on by good preparation and understanding the game and, and how to get something out of it when you're not at your best. So I think games like that are pivotal, knowing that when you're not playing well, you can go out and get results. And, and that's what's going to be a primary contributor. And you're going to have to do if you want to take down a trophy come May. Okay, so what was your favorite Arsenal moment of the year? The Leeds win. The Leeds the win? win over Leeds. God okay. damn it, Aston. <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> Owen? I was going to say getting to meet Jared and drink beer with him, but he ignored me, so fuck him. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't want to steal your answer. I knew it would be down at the top of your list. God yeah. damn. Yeah, that's it. Um, and, the ne- and the next occasion is coming up in a couple of weeks, and I'm yeah. going to be there making it even worse. So Yeah, that's good. We can talk about that one off air. No, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, my favorite moment... Uh, it's really difficult to pick. Do you want to know what? It's, it, it's a bit of an accumulation, and this might be a slightly boring answer, but the pre-season, the pre-season tour, even though I'm not from America, even though I wasn't at the fucking pre-season, but the energy in the club just felt so much different from the fucking get-go. Gabriel Jesus brought a bit of excitement into the fan base, and I would say, if you want me to say a favourite moment or first home game of the season, I think that that the difference in the atmosphere and the, uh, 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 the difference in the atmosphere atmosphere in the Emirates that's more difficult to say than it should be but I think that Mike can maybe back me up and saying that even that last game that I was over at with you Mike at that time the atmosphere was picking up but fuck it has hit an absolutely different level um, this year you know we've had the song from Louis Dunford coming in and it's really yeah. sort of starting to take hold in the Emirates and I want to give a special shout out as well to the Ashburton Army because you, you look at these sort of organized groups that go around and, and do what they're doing and often they can become violent and it beco- can become a negative and there's antisocial behavior linked with a lot of these groups. That, but seemingly from what I can see is that these dudes are literally just all they care about is creating an atmosphere in the Emirates, which has been labeled, you know, the worst atmosphere in the league, the the library, whatever you want to call it. And, and these guys have really just made it an intimidating place to go again. And not only intimidating for the opposition, but make it lively for the home fans too. So for me, it, it may not be a moment, but just the atmosphere being back around the club again. Hers. I am going to go with Chelsea away just because I'm a bit petty. And prior to that, you know, the, the, the leaks with 
Oba's interview came out and he, and he tried to, to correct it and say, you know, he was angry at the time and, and fair play to him for that. But the team full of children that just listened to him or listened to Arteta uh, bent his team over. And it was just amazing that it, it, it just ended one zero. And on top of that, when they did score, you know, it was the whole, running past purposely in front of him. And again, I, I, I preach about culture and unity uh, with this current Scott so much. And I just, I liked it because those comments, you know, Hey, like the meme, right. I have to put it on the board. Like he put the nice kick about with Brentford, you know, he, he, it must have came to their attention. They must've known, they must've been like, so this guy just thinks we're a bunch of simps that, we have no brains that we just tell us, you know, we just do. And we, we, we talk about, you know, attitude a little bit earlier on in the podcast. And it kind of really highlights the type of players that we have versus what he is, you know. So just it was a really feel good moment because we went at the bridge where, you know, we won last season and we did it again. And it was as to your point, Aston, it was one of the the test, right? Because it's just test after test after test, et cetera, et cetera. It just seems like everybody, anybody, anybody and everybody that's not an Arsenal fan is just kind of waiting for us to fail the next test. And we pass it with flying colors. And it was just, I can't remember a game in which we dominated Chelsea so much at the bridge. So for me, it, it was a highlight. Yeah, so so I love I love that because real real that was the game that broke Chelsea fans. Like we, Chelsea fans have not fan base has not recovered from that. Real quick before I go over to uh, Magic Mike, um, say the line, hers, say it, say it for all of us. Come on, you can do it. Oh, see, you know what I? So I'm so used to Mike baiting me with funny comments when i'm talking that i i like purposely do this and like i refuse to read the comments as as i'm saying um Mm -hmm. we will be title contenders after we sign a midfielder oh fuck you (laughs) wah wah all right mike what's your favorite moment of this year I didn't mean to put myself in there. I meant to. Put yes, you did. <laughs> you just took him out. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, I was gonna. I was like, wait, where did I go? I would say, I'll pull. Yeah, we're we're tighter contenders. Ah. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, had, by that, do you mean Flores Arsenal or Milan? Had flow. Oh, yeah. Not Milan this season, no. <laughs> Even though they have the greatest backup. Did you know that Olivier Giroud plays for Milan? Mike, well, I think that's uh, probably why they won last year. Yeah, yeah but hear, they, hear me out. If if Arsenal recall win. Flores and bring back a Mexican into Arsenal, we, we win the league. We, we don't lose any more games. Well, we I'm need convinced. To find, we need to find a Mexican for this podcast because all we have is a Guatemalan. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> you anyway, bastard, look, you bastard. <laughs> not my fault you don't want to admit to it. A t-shirt um, isn't fucking proof. We want to see your passport, you bullshit bastard. <laughs> now you're asking a, for papers? Forget about it. I am of the hope that, Okay, he, he's a real Mexican. He's, he's a real Mexican. There you go. I'm, there of, you go. I'm of the hope that my that my moment of the season is going to be in about two weeks, uh, you know, a little, little bit north of, uh, of the Emirates, um, if I don't get killed and hit by a bottle, because apparently I've pissed off a few... Uh, uh, season ticket holders uh of of that other team up in 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 london on twitter the other uh, the other day but 
Um, makes me wonder why I put my face out there on Twitter because enjoyed the non-scarred and bottles and uh, having hit my face look. Uh, but anyway, um, I have to kind of rip a page off of what uh, what Owen said and something that, that Sophie said on many occasions, which is atmosphere-based. Um, you know, I, I was at early games this season, which is the first time I've really been to games in August before and the yeah, in a long, long time. And the atmosphere was just already incredible. And we weren't like solidified, hey, we're really off to this great start. We were, you know, three, four games uh, without defeat at that point. We had definitely got off to a good start. But the tickets that I was given uh, through the way that I occasionally get tickets was right in the middle of Block 25, which is where the Ashburton Army is. And, you know, it was the same place I sat for the Everton game in in May where we were sat amongst them. And my daughter was in town for her summer uh, abroad. And just the atmosphere was so uh, it just unbelievably electric in that end. It spreads. What those guys are doing is, is incredible. Uh, for some reason, a couple of them don't like me because of something they misunderstood about what I said about uh, about what happened in uh, in August. But I think they're fantastic. I think uh, they're they're building something that is infectious. There's a reason that the club is is embracing it rather than trying to legislate it, uh, which is maybe what seven or eight years ago we would have seen. Um, but uh, but surprisingly, you know, Sophie said something yesterday that really got me thinking, or maybe it was even a little earlier today, which is that the uh, the away section in the one game we lost this year was the best away section I've ever been a part of. Well, the second best. Le Leicester last year was the best because it was an enjoyable win. This was pretty damn good, though. Uh, and we were losing, and we lost, and we got robbed by VAR, and it was depressing, and there goes our perfect season, and so and, and it's United, and all this and all that. From start to finish, that 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 away section was, was absolutely hopping, uh, supporting their team. I was two seats away from Dan Potts. I looked over, and out of the corner of my eyes, I almost saw him singing the <laughs> Mikel Arteta song. Um, and if that had happened, it would have made the, the perfect experience because, you know, then I could have told on him. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was phenomenal. And, and that is, I used to think that, that the crowd, that the teams should perform and will perform regardless of the crowd, the support and all that. And I don't buy that anymore. You can tell that this team is, 10% better than they otherwise would be, maybe more because of the atmosphere that they're playing in. And they, they're not just they're not just patronizing us when they say that in post-game interviews. I think they really, really feel it and mean it. So so that that's really that's really awesome because I think one of the best moments I, I saw this year was was that the birth of the Saliba chant is legendary. Yeah. That's like or something that will go down in like the annals of Arsenal fandom and, and history. And, and I want to give it to that or the fact that we literally, anytime we go down a goal, the, like, like the West Ham game, let's be real. The beginning of the West Ham game, the fans were kind of feeling it out. We were, you know, we were loud, but we weren't as loud as we've been. As soon as we went one nil down, the whole stadium just ripped it was incredible to hear and that was from and that's our response to going down but i have to say that my favorite moment of the year and i know it's going to be very obvious to everybody who's followed me this year but when we're talking about the oh, yeah. uh, 
Well, no, no. When we're talking about the, uh, the the fan base, right? One of the things that was interesting about doing the commercial this year is nobody actually knew outside of like Mike and and like one person. I think one other person there knew about the commercial when I was in Baltimore. So actually, before the commercial dropped, I got to just be around fans, not knowing who the hell I was, and and it nothing changed. Nothing changed from before the commercial to after the commercial. I, people were just screaming for me, oh, wide open arms. You're an Arsenal fan. That's all we care about. And that's something that I want to bring up because, you know, we lost Champions League to Tottenham last year. We lost Champions League to Tottenham last year. And yet, when I was in Baltimore, before anybody heard anything about anything, I didn't hear one word about it. I hear one fan moaning about, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We're in such a shambles. We can't believe we lock, we bottled the top four to Tottenham, whatever. No, everybody was genuinely gassed for these players in this upcoming season. And that's that spark has been going through this team from the, right from the beginning. And it's been incredible I, I, what's going on in the background. Uh, no, Mike's hair is getting threatened, and he's playing to the chat. Not, not <laughs> the hair, guys. Not the hair, please. So, so I want to say, so obviously that's going to be my my favorite part of the year is going to be the preseason, being with fans, being with my people, my my people, you know. Um, and I want to say thank you to everyone that's all been a part of that. Thank you to everybody watching the Schooners podcast. Thank you for everyone that's just been watching along with us all this time and supporting the Arsenal and making it so that whatever city that we show up in, it doesn't matter if it's London, if it's Washington, if it's Kansas City, if it's Tokyo, if it's if it's in the middle of if it's in the middle of nowhere, there will be an Arsenal bar where there will be fans with open arms ready to accept you and that's that's the best part of this year for me. Um, I, I, I forgot my, my best part should have been sitting and having Chinese food with you when my phone rings and there and, and there's a notification from ESPN of a story <laughs> with your face on it. <laughs> I'm like holding my phone of ESPN guy I'm eating Chinese food. <laughs> it was that it was that was surreal. Like the whole experience is surreal. But I that I, was I, the I, day everything dropped. That was pretty it was pretty fun actually hanging out with you on that day because I mean it, as, as, as crazy as it was like the day it happened, it was just it was it was pretty yeah, it just and, went, and, went. and kudos to the club for, for you know for for looking beyond the obvious and finding inspirational stories and people who you know whose personalities and 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 life experience suit the arsenal way. And and I do want to say on I, I was going to do a low points, but I'm just going to pick one low point because I want to get in. We're gonna I'm going to try to shoot for 145 to be done around here. So uh, we're going to do the, the quick banter game and we're, we're going to get out. But I do for the low points. I'm just going to call it for everybody. Rest in peace, Maria. Maria, um, they, they, uh, Like, I, you know, there's we haven't forgotten. And everything that you've given to the club is still being cherished. Like, you know, we, we hold it in our hearts every day. So I do want to say rest in peace, Maria. And I, I think that we can collectively say that is probably our lowest point this year, which is, you know, it, 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 I don't like to. It was, a, it was a unifying. Uh, I mean, as, as, as awful as losing somebody special yeah. like that is, it was an inspirational point in that so many people rallied around her memory. Jack Stevenson, uh, you know, giving us a view of her seat and, and, and yeah. uh, all the things that uh, that Sophie said, and and uh, 
and I'm looking to see if I kept it up here and I probably didn't, but the, uh, you know, the words that, that Miguel, uh, that Mikel Arteta told to that incredible journalist, uh, mm-hmm. down in, uh, down in Orlando about it. But yeah, I mean, we're, she, she's somewhere up there looking down on this team and this fan base and, and being proud of it. And, and yeah, Vinny, great shout out, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, Vinny Eagle, uh, another, I mean, the, this fan club, uh, this fan club, this fan base, American club. <laughs> the fan base of this club is is something special. And and if you didn't, and this is a little self promo, but it's more about uh, the the um, the blog site uh, Gunnerstown that that Dave Seeger runs. Um, I had a, a, a sappy moment and wrote an article on there uh, a couple days ago that uh, that talks about what the what the team's given me and and and. Uh, if you haven't read it already, go to gunnerstown.com and, and check it out. Check out Mike McDonald's great work, Dave Seeger's great work, and so many others. But uh, but that's this is the club that we root for. So yep. now we want to talk, make it about banter. Is this? Uh, yeah, yeah. So so real quick, what I did was I went I went through and I amalgamated uh, several comments that I saw between Twitter, uh, Reddit, just different spaces for Arsenal, Mastodon, <laughs> Mastodon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Arsenal FC yeah. social. Get on that. And, and basically, I, I repackaged them as questions for uh, for you guys. And your response isn't going to be like answering the question as much as is, are they spot on or are our fans delusional? All right. You get two options and I'm going to yes. ask you and I'm going to ask you a question as we go. All right. So starting with you, Jared, Odegaard has been our best player. Spot on or delusional? Spot on. There's some good competition because the team's playing well, but he's kind of the engine in the middle of the field that makes it run. And like I said earlier, I think Bar Holland as a potential argument for me right now on form, best player in the Premier League. Well, that well, you skipped you skipped right too because I'm going to ask you: Is he better than KDB? Spot I mean, in terms of their total career, absolutely, absolutely not. Right now, today, the last few weeks, the way he's playing, spot on. I'll take him best player in the Prem this season, bar maybe Holland. All right, that skips over the last one. Is is he the best player in the league? All right, uh, Mike, Sokka has the most potential at Arsenal. Up or down? Uh, Magic. Power top, power bottom. Power top. Uh, okay. I mean, there's, is there... Spot on Mike, or delusional? It, it, it has to be delusional if I don't agree that it's correct. I mean, I, I it's delusional? <laughs> okay, okay. Black maybe. or white here. I'll Black give you or white. maybe. I'll give you 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 can waffle. You I'll, can I'll fence say, it. I'll say no, but it's not a delusional thing to say. Okay. Do I have to say Do who you... I think has the most potential? Yeah, go for it. Emil Smith Rowe. Mike Ooh. is always changing the rules of these games. <laughs> Play the game, Mike. <laughs> All right. That doesn't mean he's gonna reach it. I just think he's got the most potential. All right, Mike, you got a follow-up. Sokka has been the best young player in the league. World. Yeah, Ooh. absolutely, dude. Again, I'm, I'm, it kind of set up back going going back to the World Cup thing. Like, what what youngster performed the way he did too? He's been. I mean, doing well, it. I mean, look, is, is Mbappe well, young? Is Mbappe, well, I mean, if Mbappe's young, then 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 no. But I mean, well, hers, let me let me ask you this as the follow up then to that. Sokka, Mike can't make anything simple. Sokka is the best right winger, not named Messi. He's the no. best right winger. Period. Who's this messy bloke that you're referring to? My not, guy. He is no goat of mine. I assure you this. Goat. Okay. My goat, my Argentine goat has this hair. Okay. Um, yeah, no, probably I, 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 you know, again, on the agree, disagree, I, I think that's, that's pretty spot on. Uh, 
for the time being. He's he's been this season just absolutely clinical. Owen, delusional or spot on? Ben White is England's best defender. Spot on this season, one hundred percent spot on. Preach. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Daniel uh-huh. Robertson, Davis. <laughs> uh, no, no, Maguire's was pretty good in the World Cup. I mean, you know. No, no, no. We didn't ask the World Cup this season. He has been the best English defender on the planet, one hundred percent. I love it. I love the confidence. You guys are going more spot on than I thought. Arteta is a better coach than Tin Hag, Owen. Yes. Ooh. Yes, I think he is. I think. Well, put it like this here. Look at what Mikel Arteta has done in his short time as Arsenal manager in comparison to what Eric Ten Hag has done in a seemingly lengthy career in comparison. I think that if you were to look at how long has Eric Ten Hag been uh, a fully-fledged senior manager? I mean, he did, I, he did do Ajax, though. Well, that's what we're talking about. He's, he's including mm. that. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is, is after the same amount of time served by Mikel Arteta, I'm pretty sure his accolades are going to outweigh Eric Ten Hag's. All right, perfect. Jared, Arteta's better than Conte. Absolutely. Would, would anyone here or in the chat right now swap Conte for Arteta? Absolutely not. This is where I need some context. Career, but no, if you're talking about right now today, give me Arteta all day long. Okay, Mike, Arteta's better than Klopp. You know we have two mics, right? Yeah. Oh, hers. Again, based on this, <laughs> and based we, on and we this have season, five Astons apparently. Yeah. <laughs> based on this season, the league table don't lie, as the old saying goes. Thing, um, yes, spot on. Magic, this leaves the 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 big question up to you. Arteta is better than Pep Guardiola. At, at managing. Hmm. No, what making tea? Yeah, and uh, hair, 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 specifically hair. Hair. Is he better than Pep Guardiola? No. No. He has the potential, okay. has the potential to be as good as he was. Yeah, that, all right. That, that was a context nightmare. The, the, all those for sure. Yeah, so fucked. Yeah, special, I mean, compa- yeah. Special question for Mike. Aston will finally stop talking about Odegaard. Never. Delusional. Delusional, absolutely delusional. Um, you, you'll stop. You'll talk about him when the camera's on. You'll talk about him when the camera's off. Um, again, my my picture. For, yeah, yeah, here we go. <laughs> this is not. This is not a, a Sebi Photoshop, by the way. Which which one's which? <laughs> you can't tell. You can't tell. We're you're just seeing two classy number tens right right in front of you. From a man yeah. that knows hair, Udegaard has some strong hair game, I gotta say. Well, this is actually... has some fucking strong hair game, too. Yeah. Well, this, is, this actually leads into the next question. Um, Rob, Holding, Rob Holding has better hair than Arteta. No. Jared. Bite your tongue. Delusion. <laughs> I, I would say delusion, especially since it's manufactured. Okay, okay. I have, I, oh, I have a question. Do I, have to, do I have to do I have to make it a statement that we determine was delusional, or do I just make it into a question? You, just, you can make it at this point. You guys fucked it up, so okay. Between Jared, <laughs> do be doing that. Between Jared, Mikey, and Owen, Aaron Ramsey or Olivier Giroud? I can't Giroud, see Giroud all day, dude. Come on. <laughs> 
I love Aaron Ramsey. That's my guy. <laughs> All right, it's one one. It comes down to Owen. Come on, what, Owen. What, what, Owen. What about fuckability or playability? Or I could see it in your face right now, Owen. You know the answer. Hey, I, I, what are we talking about? Like uh, over who, what? Who had the who who? Who was reading whatever you we're, want? We're literally just, just yeah, no, 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 don't give him yeah. any context. Yeah, just I was thinking one. about just leaving it there. Just yeah, pick the, one. The answer is yes, Owen. No, it's not. A, that would be a stupid answer because I have to say Giroud or Ramsey. Yes, would just make no sense. Owen, special one for you. Uh, Mike Hers will do another podcast within a month with us. Uh, oh, d- delusional. He's got 52 to do it. <laughs> Oh, All right, and he's got like six it, jobs it, and fifty children, so there's it, no chance that case. Guys, ever since I got snipped, I got a lot more energy, energy and time on my hands. So you got I'm snipped, and you're still having children. Jesus Christ, that's impressive. <laughs> it's a it's a oh, gift and a curse. Funny. I can't do it. Also, um, also to fuck with Mike's pride, Jared Ben White is more attractive than Olivier Giroud. Spot on. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving. I'm done. Come on. All right, all right. Last one. Last one. Last round for the fans, just because we didn't do any transfers during the show. Everybody wants Damn. to talk about transfers, so let's just quickly say it. Arsenal will sign Mudrick, Mike, uh, Magic Mike. Uh, spot on, and probably in the next week. All right. Uh, Arsenal will sign Jao Felix. Uh, hers. No, I don't. I don't think. I, I think once. Atletico drops their asking fee. United will go in with like a four hundred million, a four hundred thousand a week contract or something that they might be able to guarantee him. So I'm going to say no. Arsenal will sign Jude Bellingham. Jared, I wish it was a delusional. <laughs> not even, not even your conversation with uh, with with Stan can make that happen. Owen curveball. Arsenal will sign both Mudrick and Felix. Um, but you want to know what? I'm gonna go spot on. Oh, I, 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 um, I am. I'm gonna go spot on. I just, got excited to, I just got excited because some potato guy just 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 uh <laughs> just, just won us the league. I look, lads. I'm in a group chat with fucking everybody. All right, and they're both coming. No, um, I think that the gap and the fixture congestion and all this shit coming up. I think that. I don't know. I just have a feeling that they're going to surprise us. And uh, as Mike says, if if the conditions dropped a, a manageable amount, um, yeah, I'll say. I, I have out. to. I have mm. to admit, I actually got got sucked into the. I mean, I I, I got mm. I got turned on to Joe Felix by uh, by Elliot today. Uh, okay, on, if, on, uh, if January I mean, passes by and we have in. Felix and Mudrick to our lines, but we we have Oneni and Lakanga as a backup. How are you feeling about that transfer window, Jared? Ooh. I mean, it's a good transfer window in that we picked up a lot of talent, but I'd still think a touch fragile, potentially, you know, a Thomas party, you know, season ender on February 1st changes our outlook dramatically. You know, if they pick up, you know, something small here and there, I, I like El Nenny as cover, but it's definitely the area of need that I think would have been clearly unaddressed if we just signed the attackers there. Right, the last, the last one is is for Owen. If uh, if we sign Mudrick and Felix, 
Are you getting a It's Coming Home tattoo? <laughs> oh, fuck. Get the fuck. That was Delusion. the one and done. Delusional. One and done. Wrap this right. fucking podcast all right, all right, up. All right, everybody, we're gonna do we're gonna do outros, and the final question to each of you as you do your outro is: Will Arsenal win the league? Jared. Yeah, great outro. talking to you guys again. It's always fun. We'll be doing it a lot more this month. It sounds like, and possibly something in person. A lot of us are going to be in London the latter part of the month, so we'll see if we can all get together. And yes, Arsenal, our favorites right now. We're winning the league. Owen. Oh, fuck. Uh, thanks for having me on my, my own podcast, sort of, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, look, look, I don't know, guys. Uh, look, uh, no, I'm not even going to say it. I'm I'm too sick-ass, and I'm freaking out even to ask the question. Man, it means too much. I'm, uh, no, it hurts. What do you think? Will you get a tattoo that says it's coming home? <laughs> 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 a tramp. I will get a tramp stamp of Arsenal. Oh, like Arsenal written. Yeah, that's what I'll do for you. Okay, uh, we're doing outros. Like arse on one side of your, of your <laughs> anus, and then all on the other one. Um, Daniel, we're doing I'll outros be... too, right, Aston? Oh, sorry. Not okay. just a goodbye. I'll wait my turn then. Uh, what did you say, Mike? I we're, hear doing, we're doing outros as well. Yeah, yeah do yeah, yeah do your outro do your outro and uh, answer the question. Go ahead, Hers. Uh, yes, we are going to win the league. And uh, my name is Mike Kurz, Mike Kurz FC on Twitter. And I also uh, do a once a week podcast called Not Another Arsenal Podcast. Don't promote your shit on this podcast. <laughs> Occasionally, I have Drunken people. Podcast host with the. A key, I was drunk in the absence of my mate Kelly, who is normally the drunk one on the podcast. And I felt that the podcast. We can't break mm. character. So I, I took it upon yeah, myself. Watch the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes and see if you can spot the difference. <laughs> Dude, to be to be fair, we the went. Five-minute urination break he took. And, and text me that he just, wishes he had a diaper. Does he, <laughs> Dude, we went does he speak in a hours. heavy Mexican accent when he gets drunk? Like, just turns really... I start rolling my R's like, like crazy. Everybody's a gringo. Yeah, yeah, like Mike's in the Even even Seb, who is French, fucking gringo too. Like everybody, everybody caught it. Um, right. We have cool. We have cool guests on this side of the pond. Not Owen because it's four a.m. when we podcast. But uh, my mates uh, Jared, Mikey often show up. Last night we had the brilliant Michael McDonald, who writes for Gunnerstown, on, and Gun- it's Gunners a lot of fun. Town. Gunnerstown, not Gunnerstown. <clears throat> Gunnerstown. Thank you so much, Mike. Mike, I'm cutting you off because you are going to take us out as it is Magic Mike show, which, by the way, if you guys haven't noticed, there's a lot of magic, not a lot of Mike lately. He's he's getting so skinny, and I see it every time I see him. Um, my name's Aston, and of course, Arsenal are winning the league. I'm going to say it with chest because if you can't start believing now, then you'll never start believing, okay? When are we going to start believing? After we've won the league three times in a row, then it's safe to say. No, uh, Mikel Arteta's men thrive on adversity and pressure, and I'm putting the pressure on them, kind of like I did in that interview I did with Odegaard. Do you remember that, Mike? I remember when uh, I yeah. said... You did do the. Uh, that's right. I forgot you met Odegaard. Yeah, yeah. You, for, met, uh, you met him, then I met him, and then like six to eight months later, Tom Canton uh, finally got his turn. Um, lower on Tom, the list. Yeah, Tom always laughs on these type of things. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. 
there is a pecking order, and Tom mm. knows where he is in that in that pecking order. Um, but uh, before but before we sign out, I do want to say we will be back again. I think uh, Jared Jared and I might be doing a show this week for transfers, right? All right, so we might be yeah, doing that do this week. So if you guys enjoyed the show, if you enjoyed the content, please drop us a like. You know, we we really, really do appreciate everybody in the chat. Thanks again, everybody in the chat for all the banter. I'm looking at you, Dublin Gooner. I'm looking at you, Daniel. I'm looking at you, Soph. All of you guys, lovely, lovely, uh, lovely. It's been a lovely year and happy new year and long may it continue. Go ahead, Mike. All right, some plugs. First of all, it's been a great day of podcasts. We had Sophie and uh, and Super Kev talking to Elliot and Clive, uh, which dipped right into this show, which now dips into uh, in half an hour to uh, Gary. Don't waste the tweet, uh, WTT. So make sure to to tune into that. Gary's great. Um, I'm going to say we're not going to win the title this 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 season, uh, just just to be different. And because again, when I get too cocky and too positive, that's when the wheels come off. So uh, I'm not going to test that theory yet. Um, but uh, but no, I'm going to say no. Um, a few other things: uh, we raised two thousand dollars, which is about sixteen hundred and fifty pounds, just in the past week. Thanks to a very generous, uh, wanting to remain anonymous donor who donated four club level VIP passes to the uh, to the game tomorrow night. Um, he, the winner uh, is from Salisbury, uh, which is a town in Maryland, but it is, I think, originally from England, uh, <laughs> where, the, uh, where the cathedral is. And he's going with his two adult kids and a friend of his from London. Very generous donation. Frankly, he got the tickets under half of what they would have normally cost. He's going to have champagne with a legend. He's going to have a really, really nice dinner. He's going to watch the games from the uh, basically practically the owner's box, but uh, uh, right at the mid mid stripe, uh, and uh, and hopefully have a great experience that includes winning. Um, Lots of really good announcements coming up with Gunners versus Cancer. Anyone who is able, and I'm looking at you, Daniel. I know Mark's going to be there. I'm looking at you, Soph, because I know you're going to be around. Um, anyone who's in and around London, Friday the 13th of January, Lamb Ribs at Yildes on Blockstock Road. You'll get to see me uh, salivate over food and then only be able to eat this much of it but because uh, of my surgery. But Lamb Ribs, yeah. open invite. Jared, you're not going to be in town yet, or you are? No, not quite. I won't be in until the 19th, I believe. All right. Well, the uh, the who's coming with me late late April? No one. Um, Mike, the uh, the uh, yeah, it, but we're it, it's just going to be it's a squatty fest. It's a it's a it's a goony fest. It's a uh, roasties are 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 invited. It's going to be a fun time, and uh, and and let's do that. That's the Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th? Um, I think that's it. Um, enjoy Mudrick. It's going to be fun. And, uh, yeah, I feel like there was one other thing I was going uh, to say, and that Mastodon is – Mastodon normally with goodbye. you. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Join Mastodon. ArsenalFC.social. We've got some great people coming online. Soap's coming. Tom Canton's coming. Uh, neither of them are coming. <laughs> Because there's, they uh, they don't like me, but uh, it is a very uh, it's a nice community. It's a growing community. It's going to take over for Twitter when Twitter dies, and you're going to regret not being part of it. That's all I have to say. 
Uh, so go to arsenalfc.social and join the fun. And this has been another episode of... Tottenham get better everywhere they go. Tottenham get better everywhere they go. Everywhere they go. The Gooners Pod. Watching the Gooners Podcast, a production of TGP Media, a wholly owned subsidiary of Wanker Broadcasting Company Limited PLC. All rights and likenesses, except for Owens, are available for purchase and distribution according to the historical tenets of Bird Law. Make sure to check out the Gooners Podcast Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TGP. Find Gooners V Cancer at GoonersVCancer.com. And don't forget, get them credit cards out. The Gooners Podcast has been brought to you thanks to a generous investment from Elon Musk, as well as the letter G and the number 69. Remember, Gooner family, that Tottenham get better everywhere they go. TGP out. Woo!